Welcome to episode 54 of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, and my name is Julius Wische, and I'm a researcher at NTNU in Trondheim, Norway, and I support research organizations and universities in navigating the social media space. One of the social platforms or the social media platforms that is ever getting more important is LinkedIn. In episode seven, I already had the opportunity to chat with Mike Young about LinkedIn, but that is two years ago. So let's do an update today with episode 54. And I'm joined by Carline David, who is a co-founder of Noscuda, which is a science communication agency based in Delft in the Netherlands. And what you will get out of this episode, obviously we start with what LinkedIn obviously is, and then we're going to talk about why should or why could researchers use LinkedIn for science communication, and not just researchers, but also research organizations and universities. Then we're going to talk about the upsides and the downsides, and we're also going to talk about um, yeah how LinkedIn is actually developing. And in the end, we're going to wrap it up with how basic and advanced strategies could look like for using LinkedIn and but we're going to talk that both for individual researchers and as well we're going to talk about basic and advanced strategies for research organizations slash universities. So let's get started. Let's go. Hi Kalein, really nice that this works out now. Yes, thank you, Julius. Good afternoon. Yeah, where, where are you based in the Netherlands? Uh, so Noscura, our agency is based in uh, the lovely town of Delft, where Delft uh, University of Technology also yeah. sits. And I live in The Hague, and that's uh, I love to go there by uh, by bike every morning, uh, every end of the day. So that's a twenty-minute bike ride uh, for me. Yeah, because Delft is actually is like a small town but it is like when you want to go to TU Delft you actually go to The Hague isn't it and also one of the campuses of TU Delft is actually in The Hague itself is it like in an international traveler if an international traveler goes to <laughs> not for you ever locally obviously but yeah. then we can call Rotterdam also part of like Delft is in between Rotterdam and and The Hague but ah, within the the city yeah. of Delft um there are 20,000 students living in Delft as well. Yeah. Cool, Caroline. You were a yeah social media manager and you just said that it was in another life, kind of. Like, that's a couple of years ago. Uh, was it like 2015 or 16 that you started Noscuda? Walk us a little bit through what did you do before you started Noscuda? Yeah. Why did you start Noscuda? And what is, it, what is it today? Yeah. So when I was a social media manager at Delft University of Technology, that was at the very start of social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. And at the time, uh, we and universities started wondering, what, what's this and how should we use it? And the time of where anything was possible. Uh, because no one knew what was going on, so we could figure it out ourselves. Uh, great times uh, as well. Um, but then after a few years of figuring out and setting up structure, setting up strategy, uh, having people in the right places, it was, was time to move on. Um, and both social media and education and science, they're in my, in my heart, in my way of living. So then I, together with my colleague, uh, Rob Spekenbrink, we thought, why not start doing this for other uh, organizations, universities, uh, universities of applied sciences? Uh, and that's where Noscura started. 
And nowadays, uh, we are an agency of six people um, helping educational and research institutions throughout the Netherlands uh, in their uh, internal and, and external communications. Mm. And you started Noscura in 2015 yeah. and you worked in, in Delft uh, until 2016. So when we say, okay, 2015, that's maybe when you started Noscura, that's, that's eight years ago now. When you think about the big lines of development, what, what developments or what trends do you see that you know, happened over the, couple, the last couple of eight years now? What is different in the work that you do now with Noscura than it was you know, when, we, when you started out in 2015? What was the context? That projects came in or that was required by your customers yeah yeah um at the start there was a lot of not knowing uh on for example then instagram uh came not knowing how to use it when to use it what to use it for uh but currently in each communications team there are people um well, knowing about LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Twitter, but still the not knowing part uh, is there because new platforms come come and go, uh, like Mastodon currently. So then we dive into it and uh, explore the opportunities for. Do you under <laughs> Do you understand that Mastodon is still coming, or is it already going? It's still coming, I think. Ah, yeah. okay. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a bit, yeah, I, have, I don't know, I have a bit of a different feeling. I felt it was really coming up when, when there was so much turmoil at Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of researchers as well put, like, created their accounts on Mastodon and then put their Mastodon handles on, on, their, link, uh, on their Twitter accounts. And, and now, as I feel that the turmoil is coming down a bit, it's like Twitter's not in the news every day anymore. I've... I'm not sure if if this big wave is is continuing. What's what's your take on that? What do you hear? Yeah. What do you see? Um, not on the news every day. Well, it was this week uh, when changing the the Twitter logo. Uh, mm. uh, Again to what what to this crypto the, the yeah. dog the yeah Dogecoin the Dogecoin dog indeed yeah. indeed um, yeah. I do think that especially within um, science, education and science, uh, people love uh, open platforms. Um, and I think that we are shifting and, and continuously looking for platforms that we know that our data is, is safe and, and secured. Um, I'm also putting a link to open science. Um, so open open source social media platforms will will come up and will be will become more important. Uh, I think a Mastodon well had this a small a peak there. Within the Netherlands, we see that um, so there's this uh, yeah it's called Surf. Don't know if you heard of it. They're they're putting up an initiative now to build up a, a Mastodon server, especially for all educational institutions and then research institutions uh, within the Netherlands. Um, so they're surfacing a surface, um, sur surfacing a server, um, and that can be like a movement that universities can follow and then jump into that and uh, that there's the ability to create a little bit of, of mass there mm, yeah i guess all of these platforms live on their network effects um yeah. if if there's one person on twitter no one would care if there's one yeah. more person on twitter 
there's two people that care and with every person that joins it it attracts even more people so these network effects i think are super crucial and i think it makes sense as what you just said to build such a server the question is if yeah, is is Mastodon built for for that scale? And I'm I i do not know. Um, I'm I'm wondering as well. we'll see. So. But as an agency, we 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 yeah. dive into and jump into new things and figure out if they're if they're having opportunities for the world of education and uh, and science. So that's uh, what's what sticks in our world. Um, we're also still. Um, well, we're maybe less working now on where are the buttons. So what we did in the first place in uh, mm. to explain social media platforms, it's uh, now learning people to really use the social media social media networks. Mm. So, so you say back in the day it was more like okay, this is Twitter, and this is as you just said, this is where you have to press. To- <laughs> upload a picture in a very i don't know it's very you know and and now it's more about like maybe strategies and implementing strategies and and uh, uh, creating content at scale and um, how to do that and how to build also the machines behind it isn't it Uh, and machines is also how to organize this within Mm. your uh, university Uh, do you have maybe one or two like best practices of how that can be organized because i've i also in my work i've I've come to that point quite often that you know that we talk about okay how do we actually organize that in in that university or in that uh, um, uh, university of applied science how how would you do it or what are the what are the dimensions that should be integrated or at least not forgotten when doing such a work and i think in this case there's no blueprint that fits every organization um what I think are, are some key points here is that do not isolate social media or do not isolate the target audiences for specific social media platforms, but make sure that social media is as well part of your content strategy, uh, your corporate strategy, your um, well, the, the, the teams uh, who are in contact with prospective students and, and, and current students. Um, so make sure that there are linking things within the organizations. Do not isolate because uh, it contributes to all these different parts of marketing and communications within an organization. Mm, yeah, that sounds very sensible. Kalein, today we said we talk about LinkedIn, yeah, so LinkedIn we should start today. to talk about LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, give us an idea. Give the audience an idea. Uh, where do you see what what is LinkedIn, and where do you see it makes sense to be used, and uh, for which target groups it can be used? Yeah, to start with, and yeah, to make sure everyone is with us. It's a social network, <laughs> so it's not the place <laughs> where your CV sits, and it's not a recruitment platform. Uh, it maybe used to be, but currently it's it's not. Um, but it, that but I'm super happy that you point that out so early because I think it's in many brains it's still stuck that that's the thing. If you look at if you look for a job, then you go on LinkedIn and that's it. Yeah. I was yesterday working with, uh, on a project. Uh, we had a panel uh, from the Graphene flagship, and there that also came up. If you need a job, you go to LinkedIn. And why is that not the case anymore? <laughs> why is that not the case? <laughs> I think. Um, in 2016, Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, and that's also where a shift uh, came, where it changed into a social network. Um, and nowadays, what we see um, is that 
the content published by, by personal profiles it's, is much more appreciated both by the members and the LinkedIn algorithm uh, than content published by, by company pages. Um, so it's human talking to human on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so that's that's what's happening, and it's a perfect platform not only to well to show what you've got to share your research results, uh, for example. It's well maybe even even well not better. It's also very good uh, for targeted networking and for interacting um, on other people's uh, posts. Wh whom do you find on LinkedIn? It's still a professional. Uh, network. So um, when you are looking to to reach well young people under twenty, uh, you're not going to find them there. Um, but as a scientist, you can reach decision makers or people working in the same field and then within a commercial uh, company, for example, or professional. Uh, co-workers or partners uh, for your, for your research and decision makers both on like where the funding goes as in in politics for example so i think those are yeah a few possible audiences who you can uh, find and reach talk interact with on linkedin mm. to your point that you just mentioned right before um you said that organizational accounts accounts don't really work that well but it's more the the, the people's account yeah. and the funny thing is i have the complete same same understanding of it um or what i see is for example that um, the account of the site of psychomax so the science communication accelerator but also the account of my other podcast the npower podcast we post stuff there but it's it take it's way not it's i don't know what the that algorithm does, but there's no. but there's just like not not very much happening and building up like there is followers coming, but it's not really building up at scale. But if you post something as a person, as a personal account, and you post something that has value and where people can maybe see, or it comes from a person and not just from a, from an account, or and when it comes from an from a, from an organizational account, you sometimes don't know which person is really posting. I think I just want to second that what you just said. It's it's really becoming into a person to person um, interaction network, and and that also yeah has repercussions on maybe the strategies. Uh, how to use it so how would you use it then when you say that it's such a personal network now how would you use it um or how would you suggest that organizations use it should organizations still have linkedin accounts oh. or should they just focus on leveraging personal accounts um well currently i looked it up uh, uh 135 schools uh, so universities and other schools have a linkedin page so that's quite a lot throughout the world. And they will stay for a while. But looking, looking ahead, I do sh see a shift in the role of uh, science communicators, that they, within the organizations, within the communication teams, will no longer be the people who are communicating the science. They will be the ones who are facilitating the scientists to communicate about their science. And also online or above everything online. And then making a shift to, to, um, to LinkedIn, um, the science communicators should be focusing on 
training, coaching, helping their scientists um, to make use of LinkedIn. Um, but also, there's still a role for them, of course, uh, in overarching uh, strategies and being the linking pin as well. And for example, follow what's going on in the world, in the media. Um, and maybe then instead of um, publishing a, a, a press release, um, connecting to one of the scientists within the organization and say, okay, this is going on. How about you and your personal profile jump into this by either making a statement, creating a LinkedIn post, or jump into that discussion with all the knowledge uh, you have. So react, comment on a thread that we have going on on LinkedIn. And in that way, um, well, show what we know, what we've got, who we are as a university as well. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Kalein, I think you, you just touched on, on one thing that is that is like either you could say brewing in the background very strongly or it's it's uh, it's the future of science communication. And what you just said is like it's not going to be the organizations that much anymore, but it is about supporting. You use this word facilitating, and I like that very much, like facilitating that researchers can communicate that researchers communicate yeah. their research and not the science communicators can you can we stay on that for a little bit because i totally agree but i would love to pick your brain more on that like in what kind of challenges will that bring from your perspective to current organization communication organizations where maybe re where maybe science communities have the feeling that they should be the ones communicating the science but that means that they will give away some of their their reach and their power maybe to the researchers and researchers might be a bit overwhelmed that they are now the ones who has to have to communicate. How? What yeah. are the challenges that you see in these organizations? What are the maybe strategies and suggestions that you yeah. can give people in the audience that are listening to this right now? I totally agree with you that this is not a current situation, but that it's, yeah, you're saying brooming in the background, that we're making this shift. We're not at a tipping point yet. Uh, but let's also stick a little bit to LinkedIn. And we started off with, okay, we see uh, that people like people and that algorithms uh, push the, the, the personal content above the, 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 the company content. So that's all shifts that, well, merge into what we, what we see happening here. Um, and yes, challenges are <laughs> coming. Um, from a scientist point of view, um, I think this matches with um, how we we also change at or see changes shifts in how scientists are being recognized and rewarded, uh, not only by publishing papers uh, and their age index and publications, uh, but also on their ability uh, to connect. Um, to societal problems or to, to society and to do outreach. So that will, in one way or another, become a bigger part of their, of their work. And then hopefully they will be rewarded for that as well. Um, yeah. but, but a challenge, but that's another shift that, that comes in, in, into that. And then uh, the challenge for, well, communication teams or science communicators in... Well, not being in full control, indeed. That's not then uh, your job. And I do still think that, um, well, setting out 
well, the, the big lines and overarching strategies, know where your people are and uh, whom you want to connect with um, is, is a part of the job. Uh, so, again, facilitating does not mean uh, pointing out to your scientist colleagues uh, which buttons to press. There's still a lot of thinking to be done here. Um, but yeah, it will definitely it will definitely change. Yeah, and yeah, and I think there's a lot of challenges that maybe research organizations are not really aware yet because they maybe didn't really start, as you just said, um, and this process of more becoming more facilitators. Um, and you just said also that the the, the tipping points maybe maybe not there yet. Yep. So when we yeah. When we talk about uh, LinkedIn, what are like like what are potential maybe upsides and downsides when we when we think about science communication, yeah. um, and also maybe how do they com how does LinkedIn compare to other um, yeah social media platforms and doing science communication on other platforms? Yeah, um, I think and well, one of the pros of LinkedIn is that it's it's fairly safe and easy going and not so fast and extreme so you do have a chance to um well to make your make your point maybe then someone disagrees but uh we'll all do it in a, in a modest uh, and friendly way there are also well hardly any uh, of these troll accounts uh, it's all real people and companies uh, out there. So I, th I think that's one of the pros of, of LinkedIn. What you also see is that when you, well, when you post uh, a, gr a great or a good um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn post, that uh, the likes and comments will keep coming uh, for, for a few days. So it's not only that moment that you're visible. I'm now comparing to Twitter maybe mm. um and but the same also i think on uh, on instagram you see that like if you post on instagram you get maybe likes for 14 maybe 20 hours and then it's over and then you don't get anything yeah. so just what you just said about linkedin i like as well that it's like it stays and apparently the algorithm shows your content over days yeah the potential target groups. yeah yeah indeed um maybe then also on the other side when you're a, a heavy poster and when you have multiple things you want to share uh, on a daily basis then linkedin is not your platform <laughs> because that, why is that? that's also going to work against you because the linkedin algorithm does keep your post alive for a few days and when the interaction keeps on coming it, it, it keeps on sharing um but then when you post another uh, publish another post within a, f a few hours it's one of those two uh that will be shown so it just does not work uh, so, so from a very practical stance then how much would you suggest that an organization with its organizational account or maybe a, a person with a personal account would actually post and what kind of posts you see um, uh, attracting more attention versus other other types of posts that maybe attract less attention. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, in like in the, in the frequency, how many posts um, for for a person? I would say two to three per week. Per week, <laughs> we're talking as a as a max max. 
um, organizations, well, about the same, but four or five is maybe possible, uh, possible mm. as well. You also see that the LinkedIn algorithm does pick up the posts by personal profiles, like differently than the, the, the company pages, uh, the posts by company and school pages. Mm. Um, and what kind of content looking at uh, well, the, 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 the topics and then what kind of content can also be the, the content form, but for, but first, um, in, into the topics on a personal profile, make sure your personality, that the posts are authentic and that you as a person, you act authentic on, on LinkedIn so that your posts show a bit of personality. And that's, that does definitely not mean that you must show your private world uh, if you don't feel comfortable with that. Being personal is something completely different than showing your, your private uh, life. But some emotions, uh, a picture with yourself on it. We see more and more selfies uh, on LinkedIn um, as well. Uh, those posts uh, work, work good. And again, on, on company uh, pages, human interest stories, because again, uh, we love human content. Mm. Yeah, I feel that many, many organizational accounts could do a well better job of telling stories of people yeah. in the organizations. It's like, just do an interview on a recent paper or just do an interview on, I don't know, a person has been to a conference and look, what were the three takeaways from the conference or something like that, as you just said, like showing pictures and like what are they living through because <laughs> we are as you just said like interested in people so that 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 makes a lot of uh sense thanks so thanks for sharing that yeah i feel that you know both both platforms when we talk about linkedin and twitter uh i don't don't want to say completely text driven but somewhat text driven um, um like platforms yeah and now when you have a blue badge on twitter you can also have longer text but still i feel the type of text that is posted is different between the platforms and I see very often on LinkedIn that there's now like that the successful posts have a lot of like emojis or a lot of like oh. visual things in there as well. Do you see that as well? Or is that just like my timeline because the algorithm learned that I like <laughs> uh, <laughs> posts with a lot of uh, um, emojis in them? I was exactly going to ask that. Do you engage a lot with posts? I think I do. <laughs> and I put them in there as well. I, I love the rocket, uh, the rocket emoji. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, I do also see more emo emojis also on uh, accounts of organizations. Um, so where LinkedIn was when people, I don't know, thought that professional was also boring. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, but may, but I know your point. Like emojis are maybe not professional. That's yeah. maybe you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like yeah. joyful and also scary and well, from a, from um, a communication strategic point of view, who it's out of our hands. Who is creating our social media content? Does he or she know which emojis to use? Scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn uh, is text orientated as in um uh, we humans still love visual content so adding a great photo or moving i don't know moving images to your post uh is still a good a good idea um because when i scroll through my timeline my eyes sticks with with pictures or visual content um 
and you get also more 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 screen t more screen space maybe isn't it like because if you just have a if you just put a text post out then linkedin only shows you was that two or three or four yeah, lines, three lines. Of the text. yeah and if you have a picture then you get way more space under your text and then maybe that stops the person who's scrolling and to really read your text while if you don't have that then this the, the next post comes right away yeah um yeah probably but then after three lines there's this read read more uh mm. well not button but you can click read more and we see that long texts on linkedin so explaining uh, and then try to visually like break it up with either white lines or summing up is possible in LinkedIn and is appreciated on, on LinkedIn and much more than, for example, on, on Instagram. Um, so you can really sh like share knowledge and make a statement through text, uh, longer texts on LinkedIn. And of course, LinkedIn still has uh, the ability to create long articles like blog posts uh, that stick to your personal profile. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I like that you pointed it out that it and it's and that there's what's that like? So there's normal. How do you call them? I I go into LinkedIn right now just to check and not to make any any any, any wrong articles? wrong things. Here. Yeah, you can write an article and you can write a post, isn't it? These yeah, are the two things, post. and then you can. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and a post is shorter and an article is bigger. Articles long. And yeah, like like yeah. A, a a blog blog post, a web blog. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice because then if you post that, then it, since it's on a on a social platform, then your article or your blog post gets more visibility because it's kind of like it's a marketing machine. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you want to drive people really to your um, to your own blog, maybe it makes sense to do it there. But I think that's always this discussion. Okay, what do you want to do? What do you not want to do? What what do you know about links, Kalein, in 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 posts? Because I've read different yeah. things that, on the one hand, that you if you put links into your account into whatever you post, and it obviously directly links you out. And actually, LinkedIn and also Twitter doesn't really like that. On the other hand, then it's easier for your target group to you know just find the link instead of when you put it in the first comment or if you say write me an email and you get the link. That's that just increases the barriers. So, so what's your take? What what makes sense from your perspective? What what makes sense from your experience? Yeah, um, and I never put it that black and black and white. Uh, what we see a lot, uh, both when we train uh, researchers and when we advise uh, communication teams, is that the the standard is including a link. Read more. Read uh, this news article. Read more about my and my research um, and then we always try to okay but what is the main message that you want to get across and can you just give that message or give uh well the the the, the thoughts that you want to give away or what do you want people to do act or think after reading your post can you uh, do that without linking to that article. So we do challenge people to create content without putting in that link, but never saying don't put in a link ever again, because sometimes um, well, creating traffic to a website is one of your goals. And if that yeah. is a goal, then it's fine to put in that link. But make sure that not every post has a link uh, because indeed people move away from LinkedIn. Uh, maybe you'll have them where you want them because they start reading the article 
which is fine, uh, but they will, well, hardly or less likely come back to your to LinkedIn to either give a like or comment to your uh, to your LinkedIn post. And then that is kind of negative for the algorithm because more yeah. likes is a bigger reach within uh, the network. Yeah. So that's that's part of the game. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, Kalein, we also had, um, we come already kind of to like the, the, the last quarter maybe of this episode. And uh, it's been so quick, actually. Um, but one question that we had written down that I didn't ask you yet is like, why should actually researchers go on LinkedIn? It's a very basic question, and I know we I should have asked it earlier, but like, why <laughs> why should why should anyone care about LinkedIn? <laughs> why should anyone care? Well, anyone. Why should researchers care about LinkedIn? Mm. Um, I think there's a connection to uh, this shift that we talked earlier about that we see happen, happening. We also see in Europe a shift in how research is being is being funded. Um, hopefully uh, will not stay with the system uh, where your publications are the highest uh, highest reward. Um, um, yeah, not there yet. But again, it's time for researchers to claim their expertise and to show who they are, what they know, um, and to build the, the, the right networks also on a personal level. And that's all available on LinkedIn. Um, so why should they go on LinkedIn to claim their expertise? And also LinkedIn is a great platform uh, to listen, um, to follow the right people, to search on hashtags, to see who is like a thought leader or leading the discussion in your field of research. And LinkedIn is also a great platform to become visible yourself or to profile yourself, but also when you're not very comfortable in posting your own content, uh, you can become very visible by interacting on other people's content. Uh, that's what we're, LinkedIn is great for as well. Mm, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. And since it's a bit more of a professional network, um, there's just people there that you would maybe not otherwise find and i love that you said it's about listening as well it's not just about posting 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 but it's also kind of realize okay if i'm a researcher and i work in that specific field and then maybe i find some people who work in that field and i could actually see what they post about and what their challenges yeah. are and maybe be inspired to find you know topics for potential project proposals or uh just realizing okay that's someone that might be want to be part of a project proposal or maybe i can be a consultant to them or whatever yeah um, yeah and yeah. i think being well successful on LinkedIn as a researcher is not about posting on a weekly or, or monthly basis. For you, well, as a person, it can also be very successful to connect with a new person who you found uh, through carefully listening, connect, have some personal uh, messages uh, that work great on LinkedIn as well, and then maybe indeed have a proposal to work together. Uh, and then there's nothing visible to the whole world, but LinkedIn works for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's the real power. It's like, you know, I, I got to challenge you. And I think if you really want to build visibility and brand, and if you you know want to make yourself heard, then you got to post. But I think what you just said is like, that's another way of interacting and using LinkedIn that is maybe not so much for the ones that maybe don't feel that that great with posting. And that's fair. That's very okay. Everyone should should play to her or his strengths and just do stuff that 
they make makes them feel good and comfortable. Yeah, and that's because we work a lot with with scientists, researchers, um, and for some people it's step by step, and not everyone is comfortable. Uh, with being out there and do not, well, it, it feels like shouting to them uh, about posting about themselves. Uh, and then LinkedIn is a great platform to still use, to, to listen and to, to build networks uh, and to achieve to achieve goals. Um, yeah, no, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, I do agree. Now, uh, Colin, I'm going to come to the last content question, but it's a long content question. So, um, and that is like when we think about maybe basic strategies, basic and advanced strategies for individuals and research organizations. I would love for you to elaborate on that. Like, if you would have, if you, if I would just be a normal, like just an individual researcher, and I'm just starting out, what would you, what be, what would be your advice maybe for me when, and I'm starting out, and maybe I'm a bit advanced now already. So, what would be your advice? When I'm a bit of an advanced uh, or like a heavy, heavier LinkedIn mm -hmm. user, so give me, give me your, give me, give me your advice <laughs> for a basic uh, uh, strategy and an advanced strategy for an individual researcher. Yeah, as a basic strategy, and really, yeah, we touched uh, that already. Um, but the basic strategy is uh, start with the listening and building your network. Oh no, no, there's a step before that. Depart sign up? Yeah, sign up. <laughs> sign in. Uh, While well, there are still training sessions when we sit there with a whole group and people, oh, what's my login for, for, for LinkedIn? So do find your, your password and login. Uh, define your personal goals. So you have the ambition to make, a, well, a step up in your LinkedIn presence or your LinkedIn activity. What should it contribute to? For you in your in your, in your daily job, uh, and is it only work related? So define your personal goals to make sure that all the time, um, well, you're spending on LinkedIn will turn into investing time on LinkedIn. So that also after a month or after half a year, you can like well uh, look back and say, did it bring me what I thought it would? Uh, bring me so define your personal goals uh, and then start building your network so we talked about audiences that you are well that you can find on on linkedin make sure that they are in your in your network so you will see their posts uh, coming by in your own personal timeline and that they have the opportunity to see what you're posting publishing uh, about and start with listening What's going on? How are other people talking? What words what, and, and hashtags do they use? Uh, and then a next step is interact. Um, so from your own, well, you're an expert. Every research is an expert. For, so from your own field of expertise, do jump into uh, discussions and react. Be helpful as well under other people's uh, posts. Hmm. I think this is, this is super key what you just said, be helpful. That is the key because if if you make random comments or just put a lot of hearts there, no one is gonna yeah. come back to you. But if you really, you know, if you have proper two cents that matter or that help the person or gives offers a different angle, yeah. I think then you will get then you'll get attention, then you'll get interaction. Uh, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Um. So what now? You kind of covered already like the advanced stuff as well, but like if. What will be your most advanced or what is most advanced, but like maybe one or two tips for, for uh, 
using LinkedIn on an individual level on an um, yeah for, uh, like a on more an, advanced, an advanced level. Yeah. Um, you would also not only define your own goals, but make your 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 topic, your themes very specific. Uh, so then you start building this. I think you called it building your personal brand. Um, and you know that you want to be found on topic A, B, C. Uh, and you start building, okay, for topic A, these are my possible content items. And for theme uh, B, I can talk about, um, and then start looking ahead. Okay, over the upcoming three months, what's going on in my life, in my, in my work agenda? Um, and where are the moments for me to, to publish? And by, by defining your own uh, topics and themes that match your personal uh, brand, uh, you also make sure that uh, you have the ability to whatever is happening in the world around you or whatever is happening on LinkedIn, uh, you can jump into that. Uh, so you have the ability to react onto something that's happening in the moment. Um, yeah. It yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and I like this idea of what you had like defining wh where you want to be found for, and for example, that you can also put into the about section, yes. and there, and also in the description right under your name, yeah. so that LinkedIn actually knows on what what hashtags to to show your 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 face, um, and that gives you that's almost C SEO, isn't it? That's almost search engine optimization. Um, now we're talking <laughs> advanced. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then one more for for the advanced uh, listeners as well linkedin has a creator mode and so you can switch your your personal profile into a creator mode and that is really for people well who live like like thought leadership and really want to be found on specific well themes hashtags yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i also feel like an advanced step is like try to make your content as engaging as possible so ask questions or um for example if you post a video always put the subtitles under it just to make it easier for your potential target group to actually consume your content yeah. and and nothing is worse if you're worse if you're if you if your target group actually maybe opens the video but they're on a bus and they can't listen to it right now and that's the reason that you then can't cons that they can't consume your content that's a bit sad then yeah. uh, so making it easy for them is maybe also another good tip cool Kalein, now let's go to the organizations. Um, <laughs> how should organizations, what would be the, the step stone, stepping stones uh, for a basic strategy uh, on LinkedIn um, for research organizations and universities and, you know, alike? And what could be tips for advanced, uh, an advanced strategy well, for these kind of organizations? Both basic and advanced uh, level should start now about thinking what is our role next year or in the upcoming years. That shift we talk about, we are not the ones communicating about the science, but we will be, be but also online and on LinkedIn, facilitating our researchers uh, to be out there. Um, so that's, that's a start. But when talking about like today, tomorrow, next week, um, on that level, uh, so you do own uh, a company page for the university. Um, yeah, vary in, in, in content as well. 
and then both in the topics. So not only sharing the prize winning results whatsoever, but also the human me, story. me, me, I, I, yeah. I, so cool awards. The yes. human, <laughs> the human stories, struggles, uh, maybe even, but also very in content types. So not always this post link read more, but video, uh, photo, photo albums, document posts, uh, all different post types that LinkedIn has uh, has available. So do try to to vary, and also as an organization, do listen. So who tag mention our university page, and do we as a university then? Uh, comment on those posts do we like do we interact with the people um, who are mentioning us well that's maybe not a, i'm doing the beginning and advanced a little mix up yeah <laughs> but that, that's yeah most organizations now have some like a frequency in a few posts per week that's okay um But then uh, a next step is make variation and start listening and interacting interacting from the mm. company page as well. Mm. I feel that every organization should have an idea of like who is who are actually the researchers that are actually having uh, LinkedIn yeah. um, accounts and also who are who are somewhat active yeah. on it. Would you say that's a basic? thing in a basic strategy or is that already a part of an advanced strategy no i think it should be part of the basic uh, strategy yeah 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 yeah. um because you you as a you know as a well as an admin of a university page you can still uh, also support those researchers with your like and comments from the university page you can really boost the reach of Uh, that post by that individual. And since every interaction counts, uh, especially uh, also interaction from a large organizational account um, will boost the visibility of uh, researchers, like personal individual account. Yes. Um, just to your point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Khaled. That <laughs> anything else that you wanted to mention? Now is your uh, like. Oh. Is there anything else where you feel okay? This That's is really what not. research organizations or or individuals should do better on on LinkedIn. No, I think we uh, went through the whole uh, spectrum from strategy to like where we are heading uh, and where organization should be heading, as well as what researchers, also the people who don't want to take big steps or who do not feel that comfortable, that LinkedIn is a very valuable platform. Um, yeah. 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 No, I do okay. agree with that. Cool. Um, Kalein, so, so, you know, in the end, um, maybe some people liked you while listening to this. So why don't you give, give them a little bit of a pitch, like with whom Noskura actually works? Because I feel... It's a bit of a Dutch-based thing, but maybe that's not for the future. Like, who, who are your favorite customers? Who are your favorite people and organizations that you want to work with? Ah, yeah, we have, so we ha do have the, 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 the communication teams, uh, the, the, the staff uh, departments. Uh, that's, well, mostly in the Netherlands, uh, Belgium uh, as well. But when we work with scientists, there are no borders. Connect with me on Ooh. LinkedIn. For sure. I'm going to put the link into the to the show notes. That's for sure. And obviously it's, it's, it's noscura.nl. Indeed, noscura.nl. Or drop me an email and that's carlijn at noscura.nl. 
Yeah, I'll put the, 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 the email as well into the show notes. Thanks. Kalein, thanks a lot for joining me today on this episode, uh, on this update on how to use LinkedIn for science communication and how it's developing. Uh, all the best to you and take care and talk to you soon. Thank you, Julius. That's it with this episode on LinkedIn with Kalein. I hope it provided value to you. If it did, I would be really happy if you would share it with a colleague or a friend. And in two weeks, we'll be back with this episode, oh, with this podcast, with a new episode. Uh, and that episode is going to be on how to start a popular science podcast. So stay tuned and all the best. Bye.